so, so a midwife goes to midwifery care and gets all excited about physiologic birth. And then she goes to work for a hospital where they enforce obstetrics. They enforce policies that are outdated and not evidence-based. And her hands are tied because she's got to practice that way. And even the World Health Organization is calling it obstetric violence that is likened to rape for a woman. We have the highest maternal mortality rates among developed countries and even some underdeveloped countries. And our newborn mortality and morbidity is, is embarrassingly high. Our maternity system is failing. I'm Cynthia Overgaard, owner of Hypnobirthing of Connecticut, childbirth advocate, and postpartum support specialist. And I'm Trisha Ludwig, certified nurse midwife and international board-certified lactation consultant. And this is the Down to Birth podcast. Childbirth is something we're made to do, but how do we have our safest and most satisfying experience in today's medical culture? Let's dispel the myths and get down to birth. I'm Ann Margolis. I'm a certified nurse midwife now for 27 plus years. I got my Bachelor of Science in University of Pennsylvania School of Nursing, and then I got my master's through Case Western. And I've practiced both in um, a home, birth center, and hospital settings, but predominantly I have moved towards the home, the home birth. And I've caught about, oh, you know, well over a thousand babies in, in, in my practice help thousands of moms um, around the world now because I have not just an in-person practice, but my work has gone online through a lot of uh, very large social media following that my daughter put me on. Um, uh, and I said, what's that? But, but um, it just blossomed and, you know, created all these, you know, online courses and online coaching from birth professionals and moms. And, and then it, it led me to write my two books. One is called Natural Birth Secrets, the, an insider's guide, how to give birth holistically, healthfully, and safely, and love the experience, second edition. And then the other is called Trauma Release Formula, the, like a, a program to uh, eliminate the effects of all kinds of trauma. Because so many moms in my practice have a history of trauma. Trauma is very common, and I wanted to help them. And I actually had my own trauma. A lot, quite a number of traumas, and um, I found a modality that really like changed my life. So I, it's gold, and I wanted to share it. So I, I became a practitioner in that method, and I also, you know, wrote a book on that. So, um, what's the method, Anne? Well, it's it's a certain um, uh, because you don't heal trauma with therapy. You know, talk that actually triggers it. The talking about it triggers it. It's trapped energy in the body. So, like animals, we we learn from animals. They they shake it out. You know, if they're running with a tiger, a deer, right? The um, when the deer gets to safety, they just shake it out and resume being in the parasympathetic calm state. So we still have that reptilian brain. And many uh, people are in this chronic state of stress, you know, and they have trauma uh, three out of one out of three women have been sexually abused. You know, there's just any kind of trauma. It could be the loss of a parent being bullied, being adopted. There's so many um, levels of trauma, but, but the earliest of the ones are the most significant, you know, even from birth. It's, it's amazing. So so the way to heal it 
is somatically. And the father of the uh, trauma healing is, you know, Peter Levine, and he's somatic experience. And he's done, you know, he's the father of the research. So there's a, a certain type of breath work, because I'm very into yoga, I'm a yoga teacher. It's a certain type of breath work that puts a person in the subconscious state, and the trauma just releases out of the body. So it's really, really powerful. Um, saved my life. And, and I, I immerse myself in it. So it's called clarity breath work, a, a yogic kind of form of, of the rebirthing kind of breathing. It's like taking ayahuasca without the puking, without the ayahuasca. You really, it's very transcendental and you don't have to think about it, know about it, just have to experience it. It shaves years off therapy. <laughs> Tell you that. So you mentioned that your own birth experiences led you into the way you practice today as a yes. home birth midwife. Do you want to share a little bit about that? And, yeah. And you know, um, the reason I'm passionate about it is, is not just because it happened to me. I mean, it, it happened to me, but what's, what's really fueling me huge is it's still going on. Like people are reaching out to me around the world. You know, I had a lady that came into me from Australia. She read my book. She actually flew here to heal her, her trauma, severe trauma, it, it, obstetric violence, which is still going on. It's getting worse, uh, 45% uh, according to the stats, but I, I think it's underreported. So, so what happened to me, and now I was an OB nurse. So, you know, I was given the royal treatment with my first baby. I was very young, but I, I, was, um, I was scared and I was giving birth in the unit where I worked with the doctors I knew. And what happened was just that putting on the hospital gown, telling me I can't eat and drink and have to stay, you know, with the IV and continuous monitoring. So already who can labor like that? But I didn't know, you know, his doctor kept coming in every hour and putting his hands up me without even telling me and would go out and tell my colleague, she's still four. She's still four. I heard that outside the door. And then, and then I heard hang pit. Now, if I wasn't a nurse, I wouldn't have known what that meant. So the nurse, I knew what that meant though. Wait, well, what was the phrase? What something pit? was the hang first pit, one? Hang pit. Hang pit, like a bag of Pitocin. Hang a yeah. bag of Pitocin. Okay. I know what that means, you know, and, and the thing is, is, working as an obstetric nurse is when I became afraid of birth because I saw, I saw hor horrendous things, um, way more cesarean birth than I ever imagined. And, and my hands were tied as a nurse. So um, I, I was very frightened of a cesarean, but I was scared of, you know, the outcomes weren't always so great. You know, I, I was very scared of birth from working in the hospital. So I had fear. And then I wasn't, of course, dilating in that situation. So the nurse comes in, my colleague, and she starts putting the injection into to the IV. And I'm like, I don't want that. Oh, she said, but honey, you don't want a cesarean, do you? And so no, you know, like when I'm in that state, uh, you know, I'm frightened. No, I don't want a cesarean. But then the pit, you know, my Lamaze went out the window and, and then I just couldn't cope. And every time I moved, no, don't move because you can't get the baby and all this. And then I hear the doctor say, just give her an epidural. And so they're giving me an epidural um, and it caused my baby's heart rate to crash. I don't know if it was the epidural or the Pitocin or in combination, whatever. So then I became a stat section emergency, get the baby out right now, whatever the heart rate was saying, I knew they had minutes to get my baby out. I was in a state now of freaked out. Okay. So now they're reeling me in to the OR and a stat means stat like right away. Right. And so I was in the OR by myself for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, over an hour thinking my baby's going to be damaged. My baby's going to be damaged. My baby's dead. Like that's, that's basically what I was 
you know, going through my head. And I went through a, a trauma. I was in a trauma state. I left my body. That is one of the trauma responses to freeze. And I just left my body and somehow the body, the meds took over and I started pushing because the assistant surgeon hadn't come yet in an hour, over an hour for a stat cesarean. And your baby's heart rate, meanwhile, is... Well, no one's monitoring it in the OR. So I I had, I I left. I was gone. I thought I was having a dead baby and and I, I, that was it. I was just done. I, I, and, and so then... Um, I started pushing and then, then it becomes this whole panic and the doctor's screaming, get me a vacuum. And he cuts a huge episiotomy down to my anus rectum or whatever. And he vacuums her out. And, um, I, she was fine. So that was like, they misdiagnosed fetal distress and would have given me an unnecessary cesarean. I was not fine. Now they said, look at your baby. I had the classic symptoms of trauma right there. Uh, I was afraid to go back to work. That experience made me think, okay, uh, a hospital is not safe. You know, that, that, that taught me, it, you know, for me, it wasn't. And, and they misdiagnosed something and I would have had an unnecessary surgery. And um, it was just a horrific experience. So that fueled my desire because I always was interested as a nurse, you know, do I have to do something with all this I'm seeing? I, I have, it has to be a better way, but that sort of fueled my passion to become a midwife. And, and when I, be, and, and when someone told me you, you should be a midwife, I was like, what's that? Literally, you know, we didn't have internet back then. And, and I went to the library and, and I was like, oh, I'm home, you know? And then I, I went to midwifery school and then my other babies were, you know, with a midwife, uh, very, very empowering healing experience, but I hadn't yet healed my trauma, but, um, that was still in me, but I, it was still very healing to have, uh, have midwifery care where, where it was so different. And I said to my midwife, I said, um, I, I believe in this, this, you know, this whole midwifery philosophy of care, midwifery model of care. But I, you know, went through hell the last time and I just don't think I'll be able to handle it. She says, oh, you'll see, it'll be so different and healing. And, and, and she was right. You know, she let, I could wear my own clothes. She let me just walk around. I mean, let me, I, I mean, she enabled me, encouraged me to just go in the shower, go in the bath, you know, do the, um, she was like really much letting my, getting out of the way, letting my body do what it needs to do. I knew she was trained to deal with things if necessary, but she, you know, it was like, it was like a night and day experience. And once I experienced that, then I knew viscerally that I could um, provide this care to other people. Because if this, this weakened, traumatized wimp could do it, I felt viscerally that as a midwife, I could, I could help anyone do it, you know? And, and then, um, so I think that that's really what fueled my my desire to become a midwife. And and then, you know, the more I was a midwife, the more I heard from women who would come to me even before social media. Right. Um, that their last birth was tr- so traumatic and the doctor did this or they did that to them and without her consent and just horrific, similar experiences. I became also that passionate about helping them heal. And I started researching trauma healing. But but then, you know, we have to prevent this in the first place. You know, like now on social media, you know, when my daughter put me on Instagram (laughs) seven, eight years ago, um, I'm hearing from people around the world. This is still going on. I mean, the stories that I'm hearing. um, And and then I witnessed um, a story from someone I was helping 
she wanted she wanted me as her midwife coach and for her doctor delivery. So um, this was a family member. And what I saw, I, I bring her in fully dilated and she's crowning. And, and some doctor who I've, it's a man sticks his hand in her anus, in her rectum. And she says, what are you doing? Get out that her out. He goes, I have to check if she's fully dilated and she's screaming to get out and he's not getting out. And I'm like, the baby's crowning. She's fully dilated. What? Wait a second. You can't <laughs> check if someone's dilated. through the Obviously. Universe. Right. But this was going that's on. like that's was- sexual assault. That's that medical and sexual. Uh, assault. Uh, yes. Hello. I witnessed it. Right. So, so this is like, did he actually intend to indicate he had some special skill where he could check how dilated she was that way? Baby's crowning. She's fully but dilated. I, I, I'm just saying, what did he say? Did he say I he can tell? I'm checking if she's fully dilated and what? She's screaming, I just get can't... out, get out, get out, ah! you know, pushing. So, so I'm just saying like, like I'm hearing this. I saw, I've, I've seen this. And even the World Health Organization is calling it obstetric violence that is likened to rape for a woman. It's because it's involving intimate areas. It's not about, you know, the outcome, you know, the baby had shoulder dystocia. It's about how the people, how the moms are being and babies are being treated and, and babies feel trauma too, you know? So if they're not handled in a trauma sensitive way, they're born fully conscious, fully aware, and we need to, we need to care for them in that way. So anyway, so, so I, I'm very passionate about preventing this in the first place. I just, I have to go back to this. Yeah. Was he pretending that he could see how dilated she was that way? I don't know. Who he, knows? He was just, he obviously was just, he couldn't. I mean, he was blatantly, he was blatantly assaulting her and and he knew it and everyone else knew it. Right? I just, I can't, I cannot believe that. So I want to go back to your, can't believe it. well, I have a lot of stories to tell you. You wouldn't be able to believe. I know. I was going to just tell you one. Um, Oh, your birth story was interesting and infuriating in, in, in a way because when, yeah, right. Because when your baby was obviously coming out without any, I mean, you even were checked out from the trauma, your baby was coming out. He had the nerve to come in and demand a vacuum and to cut you all the way open. It's like you, he just had to do something without even telling me. It, it, it reminds me of a story I heard from a woman. She wasn't a client. I just heard her share the story with me that heard that happened with her in the hospital. The baby was just coming out and came out without the doctor. And he came in and cut an episiotomy for the placenta. Okay. For the placenta. Yes. And that's exactly what I feel like happened to Anne, but he could get away with it more because he could pretend she needed to be cut open. Well, but that, this like, is the same way the doctor's checking her cervix through the rectum. It's, it's this obsession with having to do something, some sort of control, some sort of involvement. So they, they're unable perverse. to be hands off, but it's, it's in, entirely wrong in all of these scenarios. So unfortunately, some people have complained to me about what they call medwives that, mid, you know, some L&D nurses or what, I don't know how they, beca- you know, I, I could have been a medwife because I was an L- I was an OB nurse, but I went the opposite direction, but it's not just obstetricians. It's the, you know, that the, some nurses have, you know, can be wonderful. Some can be uh, in on it, you know, uh, very abusive. And some midwives. And some midwives, you know, so it's, it's not just obstetricians, us against them. I know some wonderful obstetricians that I work with and that I've, you know, work, talk with on online and everything like that. But this is a big deal. This is going on. It's prep. So, uh, so where is it coming from? What is, what is behind it? 
It's like any other relationship. There are people who will be ego-driven, control-driven, abusive. It's like any other relationship that exists in the world. I don't see how that part is surprising because any of those people that are are creating abuse and control issues and narcissism in personal intimate relationships, of course, they're going to bring that into their work. And being a doctor in a society that values science more than nature. I mean, that's the perfect story. Another thing is, is uh, what I have to work so hard is not as much in my personal uh, home birth practice. Um, I, I also do shifts in the hospital. I love working with the immigrant population, the clinic population and all that. But what, what I think it also is, is some people have this mentality that they have, they are the authority. They have authority over me. I have no autonomy when I'm, when I'm in the hospital, it's, they're the boss. Not it's like disempowering The people expect to be disempowered. And so, you know, they have, you know, like when people say they let me, they don't let me. We no. always say that. We, we always say that you can't say let, they can't let you. You have to let them do anything. You no, let you, them. You, you own yeah. your body. You, you right, right. You're hiring them. You, you, you have the right to say, no, I don't, you know, I don't want this, but like, you know, this, 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 this routine doing vaginal exams at 36 weeks, you know, um, just, it's so prevalent. People don't know that they can say no. And certainly in the hospital, they don't know that they can say no. And, and that's how I'm all about, like on Instagram, it's been, you know, social media and a lot of my online work is about empowering moms. Like I, I could tell you a beautiful story. Like there was this um, woman who lived in a, in a very rural area and she only had, there was one obstetrician in the area. And, um, she, she took my online course, my guide to to pregnancy birth, you know, postpartum. And she was like empowered natural birth and trusting her body. And she had all this education and she came up to, you know, she went, made an appointment. She says, I'm due this and whatever. And I would like to have a natural undisturbed physiologic birth. And I want to love my experience. And I wanted to this and lights and, you know, and all this. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. He had like an 80% C-section rate. He says, I don't do natural birth. You know, you you're, he just didn't. He says, they yeah, he doesn't even understand. He doesn't even understand the concept. He didn't even know. He says, what do you think intervention's for? You don't want to feel the pain. What, what, why? You want to feel pain? I, we have the epidural. But she was like firm and researched and educated. She says, listen, I just want you to sit um, in the background and don't touch me <laughs> the whole time. I don't want any intervention. And, and I, I just want you to do that. He said, I've never done that before. Right, right. He's like, what are you paying me for? I'm paying you to do nothing. Well, it, it was just, this, but the thing is, it didn't have to be an argument. It was respectful discussion. And he agreed. He agreed. It he was said, outside of the zone. Before. I'm just yeah. telling you, you're yeah. going to ask for the epidural. All right. <laughs> but he's anyway. thinking, how do I feel smart if I'm not doing anything here? <laughs> I want you there just in case there's a problem. But I'm having a healthy pregnancy. I'm eating organic and I'm exercising. I'm doing yoga, you know, whatever it is. Anyway, do you know she had the most beautiful birth? The father was brought to tears. The mother was brought to tears, but he was brought to tears. And the staff was brought to tears because they had never witnessed that. Now think of the ripple effect that can have on the way he's going to practice. You know, so I think the change comes from when empowered families speak up and educate themselves and speak up. So, so I just love that story because you you don't have to, you know, it doesn't have to be an argument. You have to prepare yourself, but you can have that sort of home sweet home birth, like, or whatever you want to call it, empowering, beautiful, sacred birth in 
the hospital with a physician who knows nothing about it. And, and if you get, you know, but if they don't want, if you listen, if they're going to say no way, then you switch, you know, move. Well, she was very, she was very lucky that he was willing to sit in the corner and do, and do nothing. And obviously her birth room, he's not going to sit in the corner. Yeah. Yeah. Some some other corner (laughs) (laughs) away from her. Thank goodness. If he was in in the room, he probably would have had a really hard time keeping his hands off. No, no, he wasn't in the room. But so often, so often what happens is women have this conversation with their doctor and they agree and then they get in the moment and something gets a little bit off course mm-hmm. in the labor like maybe it's taking a little too long maybe the baby has a, a deceleration in the heart and they you know heartbeat and they want to start an intervention and then right so that's called the you know the fear of dead baby syndrome you know like so they they first of all that then that's another problem you know everybody's escaped there, there's it's a litigious environment in the especially in the hospital they don't want to get sued and a C-section and intervention will prevent them from that. But but so you need an advocate. You know, that's why I say everyone have a doula or or a doula like support person, you know, because oh, unless there's an emergency, can we have a moment to discuss this privately? If, when they start, you know, providers will say you want your baby to be dead. They'll really scare them. You know, some people will give in to that scare. Um, Most most will because you know, when right. you put so a- if, it's, if it's an emergency, if it's a crisis, I love when they call a stat section and the baby's apgars are nine nine. So there's no stat that you know that the baby was they misdiagnosed fetal distress. But I'm just saying that a lot of times things can be talked about. You know, this is taking too long. We want to start pitocin. So can we have it? You know, can we have a discussion? And you know, this is an empowered you know family now, and they're going to talk with their advocate, the doula, and she knows their her birth plan, and she's going to help enforce it. And that we would like to just proceed on our own. We would, you know, but it, yeah, you're right. When in that moment, a lot of people feel disempowered. That's why I'm so big on the preparation that's taken that that that's necessary. Yes, and becoming confident in your own in your own choices. Can and I, and even in my home birth practice now. So I, I track my stats. So my 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 transfer uh, rate is not uh, 7%. That means that 93% of families are, are having their birth in the ha- in the home, right? Once they're in labor. And of the 7% the transfer the vast majority our first time vaginal birthers who have not prepared or, or who have not um, ha- have a doula, despite my constant urging. Right. So now I've made it a requirement. They must prepare and they must have a doula like support. You know, because some people like their mother can be a doula. you know, like if the mother I have this wonderful family, my practice, the mother, the mother had all her babies at home. You know, she, she just she's a great doula. Uh, she knows that she's an obstetric nurse, but she's, she's a great deal. So, so, um, I, because of that statistic, which is really such a light bulb like people are like, well, how do you have to transfer? Like, you know, the emergencies, blah, blah, blah. I said, well, we are the EMTs of birth. You know, we, we handle most of the emergencies at home just fine. If we have to call 911, it's probably like a handful of times in 27 years that I've had to actually call 911, but, but it's mostly non-urgent stuck labors of a first time vaginal birther. We're just not progressing who's exhausted. And we've tried everything from A to Z that we can. So um, that lack of preparation and a lack of dual support. So, so now it's become a requirement. Hey there, all you amazing, strong and beautiful women, especially you new moms and moms to be. 
I'm Taylor, co-founder and CEO of Vitality. And I'm Taylor's sister, Chloe, co-founder and chief design officer. We started Vitality to encourage and empower everyone to live a vibrant life. We're all about supporting women, especially on the journey to motherhood. When I was pregnant, I really struggled to find comfy leggings that I could wear all day, every day. So we set out to make the best maternity pants out there. We took those pain points and designed pieces that were supportive and comfortable, including details like a high-rise fit, underbelly seam, raw cut hems, and to top it off, we have an embedded silicone panel that acts like a built-in suspension system for your low back, which is the first of its kind. So we designed this line in our Marshmallow Soft Cloud 2 fabric in not only a maternity pant, but a volley and biker short as well. Let me tell you, all of these pieces are a game changer. Just go to shopvitality.com. And cherry on top, you guys can use code DOWNTOBIRTH at checkout to get 10% off your order. 10% off athleisure designed for pregnancy during pregnancy. Down to Birth is sponsored by Postpartum Soothe. Recovering from a vaginal birth takes many women by surprise. Everyday activities like sitting, walking, and going to the bathroom can be uncomfortable. And Postpartum Soothe is just the remedy to support your healing and relieve discomfort. Postpartum Soothe is a 100% organic herbal blend that's applied to maternity pads in the days immediately following your birth, giving you all the benefits of a sitz bath 24-7. That's because herbs like comfrey leaf, uva ursi, and witch hazel are known for their antimicrobial and anti-inflammatory properties. Postpartum Soothe can be prepared anytime during the third trimester, and it makes a beautiful baby gift. It's a must for any woman seeking a faster, easier recovery from a vaginal birth. Visit postpartumsoothe.com. That's postpartumsoothe, S-O-O-T-H-E dot com, and use promo code DOWNTOBIRTH. Did you know that 97% of women take a prenatal vitamin, yet 95% of us are still deficient in key nutrients for pregnancy and postpartum? After a long time searching for the optimal prenatal nutrition product, we bring you Needed a radically better prenatal vitamin. Needed's nutritional products offer nutrients that your body can utilize with doses at optimal versus bare minimum levels and are available in capsules and an easy-to-take vanilla powder, perfect for those moms with pill fatigue or nausea. Needed is a woman-founded company offering a superior nutritional product lineup backed by research, data, and insights from nearly 4,000 women's health experts. Needed offers premium supplements for every stage, from egg quality support for women trying to conceive to lactation support for breastfeeding. And you know, Cynthia and I, we love their botanical sleep and relaxation support packets before bedtime. So if you are looking for a radically different prenatal, head on over to thisisneeded.com and enter down to birth for 20% off your first order. Great. I love that. We were just talking, we were just talking in our, somebody asked us in our Q and a recently, if uh, it's redundant to have a doula at home birth. And we said, no way. I would think it's, it's really helpful, (laughs) but let's talk about uh, obstetric violence occurs. We know that it's happening far too frequently, whatever the statistic is. Now we know it's not happening at home birth like this. There's, there's (laughs) almost probably a zero percent home the mom's the boss the family's the boss we're coming into their house yeah why why are our women not choosing home birth well they are since covid i'll tell you (laughs) we're still you know it's it it used to be 
1%, I mean, it was 1% of the population um, for a while. And then since COVID, it was maybe now it's 1.7%, which is, it's, 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 it's still a, it's still a significant population, but it's still small, you know, whereas, whereas, but it's a significant know, increase. It's, it's an increase, but the, you know, when you look at this, the, the I, I love comparing the statistics around the world, right? We're our country, we're 99 or 98 point something percent, uh, 0.3% or whatever, 2% of uh, births occurring in the hospital. Why is it that we our maternal mortality rates are increasing? We have the highest maternal mortality rates among developed countries and even some underdeveloped countries. And our newborn mortality and morbidity is, is embarrassingly high. So if you look at the countries in the world, and I love, you know, when Marsden Wagner used to compare this, you know, everyone asked him, you know, you remember he, he was a perinatologist. He used to head the, the World Health Organization's maternal child department and he was very well published in research and he loved midwives. Why do you like midwives? People would ask, why do you like midwives and out of hospital birthing? He says, I look at the stats. He says, if you look at the countries in, in the world that have the best outcomes, whether it's, you know, Scandinavia or Holland or Japan, they're having healthy moms and healthy babies. It's the countries where they have, you know, a low risk population goes to the midwives and, and the, leaving the the obstetrician who is really trained in high risk situations, right, to treat things and deal with things and diagnose and treat medically and surgery, surgically, that then then you're then you're serving everybody and you're getting the best outcomes. But when you have in the United States is that the low risk population is being served majority by these high risk sort of, you know, um, the, the model of care. And it's not serving. It's not serving us. We're fit. Our maternity system is failing. And the midwives are not supported here. And that's a big difference. The midwives are supported in those other countries. The whole system supports the midwifery care model. Right, right. In England, for example, you can choose. I want in Canada, even Canada, you choose your home birth, hospital birth, right? It's it's the Holland, same thing. And it's all integrated within, within the system. But even see, so, so midwife goes to midwifery care and gets all excited about physiologic birth. And then she goes to work for a hospital where they enforce obstetrics. They enforce policies that are out dated and not evidence-based. And her hands are tied because she's got to practice that way. I was very fortunate in my first job as a midwife to work for a hospital where the midwifery care was totally encouraged and supported. Um, but it's not all like that. You know, I've, I've also worked in hospitals where I, ha- I had to be really give obstetric care. They, they were interested in ACOG, you know, immediate cord clamping. Now, that's we had no delayed cord clamping here, <laughs> you know, suction all babies, uh, you know, the Friedman curve, which is outdated. I mean, all these things, you know, I don't have to everybody gets an IV. It's like it's crazy. I see how midwives they're they're It's so hard. You know, they want to they want to do they want to do this work, but their hands are tied. So what about the mothers? Many of our community members talk about how they would love to have a home birth, but they would just maybe like to give birth in a birth center or the hospital the first time around, sort of test out their body, yeah. make sure everything is okay, and then choose home birth for subsequent births. What do you, how do you counsel women on choosing home birth the first time around? We know that the fear of hospital transfer is a big fear, and we know that the fear of an emergency at home is a big fear for women. How do you talk to them about that? Well, you know, there's no, they saw, I have an extended uh, informed consent, but, but there, there's no guarantee whether you're in a hospital or you're in a home that, you know, but there is a, there is a lot of evidence about, you know, about the safety of home birth, but yeah, we have, I, I like to direct, go right at it. You know, uh, this is, if there's a trans, you know, in the, in the beginning, you know, where's, what's our transfer plan? 
you know, and, and they, and these are the reasons why we would transfer, you know, part of my course is accepting and actually loving what you cannot control because it's happening to you and it's happening to you for a reason. And it's happening to you by a benevolent divine being, meaning that I, I, I get them very spiritual because otherwise there's a lot of suffering because, you know, we cannot control what happens. We do our best, but complications happen and, th- you know, that are best handled in the hospital. So it's very important to have a doula to go with you. And it, it used to be that I would go with them too, you know, and it would be a seamless transfer with my doc, with my backup obstetrician and, 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 you know, coming into the hospital but from the beginning, I want I want to cultivate with them a gratitude for life-saving medical and surgical care. And it's not an enemy. Intervention is not an enemy, right? Like sometimes people need IV fluids at home. It's okay. You know, they will just get you through to your, to your birth if you're vomiting the whole labor and it's been 24 hours. I don't want them to see intervention as evil. It's I want them to see it as being grateful for, for this. So it, it's a shift in a mindset. When a transfer is handled in such a supportive way, then it makes a huge difference. And then the mom is appreciative of, you know, at least in, in my in my experience, but that takes work. That takes work through the pregnancy. In my work in educating couples, we talk so much in the first part of their education about what you can control because you can control so much more than you're led to believe. You can control who you hire. You can control where you're going to give birth. You can control your very physiology. You can control your focus and your thoughts. Absolutely. And what you can. And then the final lesson is surrender. Right. Surrender. And that's the ultimate lesson of mothering. Because once you have a baby, the rest of your life, you are going to be attached to that baby more than you can fathom. And what you are going to have to practice every hour of your life, the rest of your life is surrender. Absolutely. And And it all begins with birth. That's where my yoga background comes in. Yeah, mine too. Prepare prepare like a boss, you know, you prepare, you put your dreams, you manifest all what, you know, what, how you envision. And Mm -hmm. then when you're in birth, you surrender. You just have to surrender to however it goes. So Anne, what is sort of your predominant message for a pregnant woman about how to have her best birth experience? How, how would you counsel her? Okay. So, so I would tell her to prepare like a boss and the preparation begins in, in pregnancy, you know, the mindset shift and developing tools that you can just easily tap into when the going gets tough and that there's going to help you not just in for birth, but in, as a mom and in life, right. How to ground yourself, how to calm yourself, how to tap into your joy and your pleasure and, um, to, you know, how to trust your body and know that, that like with billions, that billions of women have given birth before you, you can too. And we just have to get the modern cultural brain out of the way. And, and I just want women to know that it's so possible. What team do you want to have with you that's going to support you on this journey? There are doctors and midwives that will absolutely support you in, in, a, in the kind of birth that you want. Um, no matter where you plan to give birth, hospital, home, or birth center, you really need to prepare. You need to prepare yourself, your mind, educate yourself about what to expect, and educate yourself about how to deal with birth that doesn't go the way you plan, because most births don't go with the way you plan. And that could just mean that you wanted your kids at the birth and they decide they don't want to be there. or You're not doing well with them. You know, you just like when in the moment, you kind of just have to surrender and be at peace with that. I, I want 
women to know that the provider, whether it's a midwife or a doctor, has a nurse, has no authority over you, nor does the hospital setting. You have uh, legally and medically, med medical, ethically and legally autonomy over your body. And it's your body, your birth. And I, I encourage you to take back your birth and the responsibility of your health rather than, and your baby. And rather than just giving it over to institutions that really don't care about you like the way you care about you and your baby. Your, your lungs know how to breathe. Your, uter your body knows how to give birth. We need to get out of its way. Thanks for joining us at the Down to Birth Show. You can reach us at Down to Birth Show on Instagram or email us at contact at downtobirthshow.com. All of Cynthia's classes and Trisha's breastfeeding services are held live, online, serving women and couples everywhere. Please remember this information is made available to you for educational and informational purposes only. It is in no way a substitute for medical advice. For our full disclaimer, visit downtobirthshow.com slash disclaimer. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, hear everyone and listen to yourself. I had a mom who, who, who was so ashamed at terrible. She had a C-section because her doctor told her her pelvis was, was too small for her nine and a half pound baby. And she had a cesarean and her baby was seven pounds. And um, she was just ashamed that, and, uh, that she did. I said, first of all, <laughs> you were sexually, he didn't even give her a trial of labor. You know, so you were treated in a way you weren't even giving it a chance. Right. So we grow through what we go through that you were meant to have that. That is how you were meant. To, you and your baby were meant to have that experience. She had a she had a birth with me uh, vaginally nine and a half pounds. She was so ecstatic. She wrote a letter to her doctor saying her pelvis grew. I love that. <laughs>